which is sad because I mean, case in point, we Matt's can't. Matt's can't. <laughs> That's why Matson's not here. I, it's a, I can't have him on this movie. It'll make me mad, and then we won't be friends anymore. Um, Welcome to the What's Already Podcast, where we fashion ourselves cinematic judge and jury. My name is JJ Carter. I'm here with my co-host, Alec Burgess. Let's get it. We appreciate you tuning in. Go ahead, hit that follow, subscribe, like, bell notification buttons. Keep up with all of our episodes. It helps us grow the podcast, which we appreciate and love. You can also help grow the podcast by telling a friend about us. You can tell a couple of lovebirds, star-crossed lovers mm. about us. We try to keep up with that shit, but most of us are old married guys or old been in a relationship for a long time, guys. And some of that uh, luster is... We need a movie like this one. I'm in bed us- by 9.30. <laughs> there is no nightlife in my life. And for me, she's in bed by 10 and I'm playing video games by 10.50. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you know how it goes. But yeah, tell those star-crossed lovers that make everybody kind of dizzy and remember what it was like about us. We're happy to have them as listeners. With that, we are here to talk today about Casablanca. It was released January yes. 23rd, 1943. Um, it was written by Michael Curtis. Or sorry, it was written by Julius Epstein, Philip Epstein, and Howard Koch. It was directed by Michael Curtis. It starred Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman, Paul Heinrich, Claude Rains, Conrad Veidt, Sidney Greenstreet, Peter Lohr, and Dooley Wilson. The synopsis, a cynical expatriate American cafe owner struggles to decide whether or not to help his former lover and her fugitive husband escape the Nazis in French Morocco. Don't get mad, YouTube. That was the only time we'll say that word, but it was part of the synopsis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> the rest of the time, we'll talk about... National Socialist. That's right, National Socialist. Or is this Sir Reich? <laughs> <laughs> I love this fucking guy. All right. Uh, yeah, look, if you haven't seen this movie, fucking get out. Like, we don't want you on this podcast. Jesus, what a shame. This movie. Which is sad because I mean, in point, we Matt's can't. Matt's can't. <laughs> That's why Matson's not here. I, it's a fucker. I can't have him shitting on this movie. It'll make me mad and then we won't be friends anymore. Um, but yeah, like, look, go watch this movie no matter what we say because it's. Fucking Casablanca. How have you not seen it if you haven't seen it? And if you have seen it, go fucking watch it again. Man, it made a big difference in like a lot of things, this movie, and just a lot of things to talk about. So, Alec, I know you wanted to talk right out the gate about casting and especially Claude Rains and Dooley Wilson. So tell us all about it, my friend. Okay, this cast, first of all, is Hollywood royalty. Yeah. And you have guys who worked together before, namely Humphrey Bogart, Sidney Greenstreet, and Peter Lorre. And they worked in a movie we did do, Maltese Falcon, that Matt's and shit on. So if you want to go watch, check out that episode, yeah. go do it. Yeah. But Cloud Reigns. So I, it's, I have a hard time saying he's underrated because he was the first actor to make a million dollars in a role. Oh. However, he's one of those guys who, I and mean, we talked about this when we did Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Paul Newman makes people better. Yeah. Cloud Reigns makes people better. He makes them extraordinarily better. Any movie he is in, he makes great. And he steals a show even when he's there with Humphrey Bogart, who kind of a big deal in 1940s. 
Yeah. So he is phenomenal. And I do not think Casablanca would be as good as it is if he is not the prefect of police, Louis. Oh, for um, sure. And then Dooley Wilson. So I did a TikTok about this. Go check out our TikTok, oh, guys. Really? Yeah, we're going to check it but out. But Dooley Wilson, what they did. So he plays Sam in Casablanca. He was the most expensive cast member because this was a Warner Brothers movie, I think. And his contract was owned by like Paramount. Mm. pictures so <laughs> warner brothers paid thousands of dollars in 1942 for this dude so he was he cost the most but he was paid the least because he's african-american yeah. in 1940s hollywood now before anybody jumps on it he was still paid a really good wage it was just the least one even though he is exceptionally talented because he doesn't know how to play the piano wow so he is singing and playing the piano. But if it looks like he's playing the piano, it's because while he's singing, he is watching someone off camera and mimicking their hand movements while singing and playing the piano. Really? Really. He had no, he's a drummer or he was a drummer. No clue on how to play the piano. And yet this talented, extremely talented individual is able to sing, act, deliver lines, while pretending to play the piano, no, at the same time, he's looking out of the corner of his eye as someone who is playing the piano and copying what they're doing close enough that you can't tell he's not playing the piano. <laughs> wow. I had no so, idea. Right? And so Casablanca, in case anybody was wondering, is one of my favorite movies of all time. I know a lot about this movie. And these two guys have always been great for because they stand out in an all-star cast. And it's not like they stand out a little bit. They steal pretty much every scene that they're in. Such to the point that Dooley Wilson's version of As Time Goes By is thought to be the original. Yep. It's not. It wasn't even written, I think, at the time that the movie takes place. But everybody thinks it's the original. It's the one that, if you think about As Time Goes By, you think of Dooley Wilson scene in it. So these two are so good. I don't think they get enough credit for it. Despite, you know, Cloud Ray's being paid so much money to play Julius Caesar. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Renault is my favorite character in this movie just because the yes. guy fucking cracks me up. Like, there's moments in this movie, like when they shut down the bar, and he's like, <laughs> how can you shut me down? There's been rumors of gambling in this. Here's your winning, You're sir. Winning. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love his character, like you said, is my favorite character in this whole movie. And I'm not, like... I love good movies. And this one, I think for me, one, I love learning about that with Dooley Wilson. I didn't know that. And I love Cloud Rains because of the Reno character. And I think everybody obviously understands when you say Casablanca, everybody thinks of Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman. Mm -hmm. That's just what they think of. Here's and, looking at you, kid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, for me, like one of the things that I talk about before we jump into the fact that this movie is dangerously close to maybe one of the greatest movies ever made, which will be a topic we're going to talk about a minute. But I think the reason that it has to be considered when we start talking about it is again. And I talked about this with Butch Cassie and the Sundance kid. And that is the cultural impact. There is no way that you can say that this movie is not all over Hollywood period. There are lines in this that movies still to this day overuse that I'm like, Jesus, can we find a new, but you can't because there's, it's so iconic The here's looking at you, kid, the, of all the, of gin, all the joints gin joints and all, and all the world, yeah, and towns and all the world, world, she walks into mine. Yeah. It's the start of a very beautiful friendship. Like 
there are lines throughout this movie. Round up the usual suspects. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, there's a whole fucking movie named off that line, made on that line. You know what I mean? Like, there is no earthly way to say that this movie has not had a massive impact on Hollywood, period. Because, again, it's just one of those things where there's very few... Well, and even, like, we'll always have Paris. Yeah. Right? Like, I can't even remember what I was watching where the We'll Always Have Paris came up. Oh, it was uh, Ted Lasso. One of the episodes is we'll never have Paris because he didn't take his wife to Paris. And, and then it, her new boyfriend takes him or takes her. So it's like even in 2020 fucking three, we have lines from this movie that are titles of an episode because it's that recognizable and it's that popular. For me, that was the one thing that every time I watch this movie, I forget how many lines and how many parts are still used in popular Hollywood media today. And I'm like, fuck, I always forget how impactful this movie is. So I always laugh. Like when you say this is one of the greatest movies, this could be, is this the greatest movie ever made? I always, my knee jerk reaction to go, really? And then I go, but shit, how do I not at least consider it? Cause I can't, I don't know that you can say there's another movie that has had as much of an impact on Hollywood. It'd be rough. I mean, it's to the point where no movie studio will even consider a remake. Because no. I think Ashton Kutcher tried to get one and he was shot down by everybody. And Hollywood is a money-making business. Sure. Which means a remake of Casablanca would rake in incredible amounts of dough. Yeah. And no movie studio will go anywhere close to remaking this film. And then the other thing... I like to say that this movie is where Hollywood kind of shows that they used to have balls. Yeah. Because time frame, right? 1943, you have middle of World War II is going on, which means that this refugee trail that they're forming is actually happening. Mm -hmm. And they're making a movie about it. Not only are they making a movie about it, they're picking sides. National socialists are bad. (laughs) You know, refugees are good. And they are fully picking aside they don't care about how it may look to said national socialists across the pond or anybody else they said this this and this and if anybody says oh well world war ii was different everybody knew that the national socialists were bad go fuck yourself they did not there was plenty of people who were indifferent or i'll say kind of like who cares type of an attitude so let's take it out of its bubble right and let's move it to 2023 the equivalent of this would be hollywood making a film talking about Ukraine and Russia and picking a side, which they will never do. The only film that came out that would pick a side is actually a Ukrainian film, which uh, is great because it's in Ukrainian. So, you know, you can't really understand what they're saying, <laughs> but that's the thing is Hollywood. It's a, it's a small budget, almost indie film. Yeah. But in 1943 and 1942, because that's when they filmed it, they are picking a side and they are, this is stuff that's happening at the time that they're making the movie, which most World War II movies or time period movies, war movies, they usually take place 10, 15, 20. Saving Private Ryan was 50 years after the fact yeah. where they, you know, they, there's almost this kind of agreement to let some time pass. Casablanca was like, oh, hell no. Yeah. Michael Curtiz was like, fuck you all. I'm going to make a movie. Um, and so for me, that's one of the biggest reasons that this is the greatest movie of all time is one. Studios do not touch it. They won't even entertain the idea. 
go try and sell a pitch about remaking Casablanca at the movie studios. You'll get laughed out of the room. Yeah. And two, Hollywood had fucking balls. <laughs> yeah. And they picked a side. I think what you say about all of that is very on point. And, I, and it's smart because what would that remake look like? I mean, you literally would just have to repeat the lines. Like, and mm-hmm. they, they don't have the impact. Because that's like, as I was watching it last night, and I haven't watched it in a long time. It's not a movie that I watch all the time. I've seen it quite a few times, but it's been a while. It's probably been years since I've watched it in its entirety. And this goes back to something that we talked about with like Fast X and like bigger is not always better. Like this is not, this isn't a time when you couldn't make movies like we make Fast X and the superhero movies. Like it just wasn't possible because we didn't have the technology, not even remotely. We're lucky to have cameras that fucking filmed the way that, you know what I mean? That's why there's so many editing bloopers in these old movies, right? But it's one of those things where watching this movie and I go, fuck, this is so good. Even watching it today, I'm like, this is such a good movie. Like, it invokes emotion. It invokes, like, passion in how you feel. Like, when you're talking about socialist, nationalist, you know, national socialist, whatever, those assholes, you can't help but go, ooh, you motherfuckers. And then you're sitting there watching someone like Renault play both sides because he has to, even though deep down he doesn't want to play both sides. He's just as pissed about the occupation as every other French person in the fucking place. So it's just one of those things where the emotional impact, the amazing acting, the dialogue, the, all of those things combine to make me just as entertained probably the hundredth time or more of watching this movie as I am on most movies that I watch the first time in a modern movie. And I think that to me is like the power of when we want to talk about our greatest movie ever made, there's not many movies that I can say I will be just as entertained the next time I watch it as I was the first time I watch it. And I'm just as entertained, if not more entertained and find value in the movie more than I do most modern movies made. It's a powerful movie and it's interesting and it's a great story and it's a great character development. It hits everything that you're looking for. If you're looking for artistic and great and actually an entertaining movie, it's got all those pieces. There's nothing it misses out on, except for, as Matt would say, sports and action. It hit one <laughs> and three. But, I mean, at the same time, it's like you were saying, it's the little things that are happening in the background at the same time that you have these big kind of moments or scenes that are happening. It's the little, like the, the gambling thing, where we talk about Renault. And he's like, oh yeah, we're shutting you down. Oh, yes. Thank you for my winnings type of thing. <laughs> yeah. Or when they're cheating in the casino and one of the guys asks Carl, he's like, is this place honest? As honest as they as long. <laughs> After they, they cheat to let someone win. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of back and forth. And it makes you feel like this is actually a workplace almost, right? Rick's Cafe, the back and forth between employees and boss, the back and forth between boss and customers and everything like that. It makes it feel, it's very immersive mm-hmm. um, with a really you know, nowhere close to what the budget is now. Yeah. Like, I'll tell you, you're talking about, you know, it's amazing that the camera's working at the end where they're on the tarmac, mm-hmm. that airplane, it's cardboard. And the people who are walking in front of it are little people. Oh, I didn't know that. It's a forced perspective thing because gotcha. you have a budget to get a plane. Sure. sure. <laughs> no CGI, no nothing like that. And so the fact that it comes together, first of all, is a miracle. Yeah. Second of all, that it comes together and it's, so good is just insane especially if you take a look at like michael curtis for instance like a lot of his movies are great 
he is a terrible person. <laughs> That's fair. Or he was, was a terrible person. But he could make a great movie. And he's made phenomenal ones. And this one is, without a doubt, his best. And if you're putting it up against... Like, it's hard to say what could be a better movie. I know Javier, he'd say Jurassic Park. Um, it's like night and day or apples and oranges is what you're comparing. But at the end of the day, this movie's been around for 80 years and it still holds up enough to be in the conversation, at least for greatest movie of all time. I'll say it's, I think it's the greatest movie of all time. Not my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. But I think it's the greatest one that's ever made. Yeah. I mean, I have no argument against that argument that, that and I think yeah. that's one of the things that like, I want to, because yeah. as much as I would never want to admit it, like I have a little bit of Matson in me where I'm like, ah, old school's tough. I don't love black and white. I don't love like, you know what I mean? Cause it just feels old. It feels dated. And I enjoy modern technology. However, from a movie perspective, I can't argue against the conversation of it being one of the greatest, if not the greatest movie ever made, because it's that good. And it's that tight. Like it's that solid. It's that put together that you can't, if you have an, a true argument against it, being up there and i'm not saying it being the greatest but it because i think we can always argue against it being the greatest to a level right but if you're not if you can argue that it shouldn't be part of the conversation of greatest movies ever made i just don't think you have a full grasp of film and movie making and the art that that is and and what makes a film great which is fine i'm not judging you for that but i'm just saying from a perspective of making great films that this one has to be part of the conversation or you're hung up on something ridiculous like the love triangle. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but but here's the thing for me, like that makes this movie dynamic. Real. Like it makes it real. Yeah, because I can't help but like put myself in the position of those two men and go, what the fuck would I do? Because they're both very gracious to a certain degree. Like, I don't know that there is a person. I can't say that because I think there are a lot of people that are in interesting relationship circumstances these days. We have a very interesting modern relationship. In the 1940s, it's very different to see two men that have shared a relationship with the same woman not want to beat the shit out of each other. And to be honest, to be very gracious and supportive and understanding to each other. And I realize the circumstances were weird on both sides of that. But like, like when we first meet Rick, like he's a bitter son of a bitch, right? Like, and he's angry and we don't understand why until we find out that he was left hanging pretty hard with this woman that he loved. And then you immediately relate with Rick and you immediately have this, like, I don't want to say issue. Cause it's not that you don't like Ilsa, but there's a problem, right? Because you're like, Ooh, this bitch, like, <laughs> left this dude like all he did was love on her like he risked like he was ready to go to the concentration camps you know and get arrested in order to be with her and then she said she was going to leave and then she just totally dumped him at the train station with a fucking note and and you're just like oh motherfucker but then you find out the story later about this whole thing with victor and you're like fuck like it's her husband she loved him like he was her hero yeah she thought thought he was was dead. dead like I get like, and so it's this weird. So I don't get mad at the love triangle. Like I think the love triangle is is the best storytelling in this movie. Thank you, JJ. <laughs> because it's like, and the reason is, is because I can't pick. There's no right or wrong to this, right? Like even if if Rick had let her stay, 
and she stays and Victor goes like, I can't be mad at that choice. The fact that he pushes her and says, no, you need to go with Victor because you're going to regret it makes me like Rick even more. And I think it's the right decision. That's my opinion. I, I think there's a lot of right decision, quote unquote, right decisions in this situation. But to me, like I, I would like to think that I would have done the same thing that Rick does in his situation, because I do agree that eventually that's going to come back and bite him in the ass. But I think she's going to have some level of regrets no matter what, because it, it's a terrible situation. And that's the other thing that I love about it is there's while there's a quote unquote happy ending, there's not a happy ending in this for these three individuals. There's always going to be something hanging over all three of them involving this relationship. The fact that you have this movie that has a story and a bunch of characters, a couple of characters, a trio of characters, could say a a quadruple set of characters, that their story overshadows the backdrop of World War II and the French Moroccan or the French invasion and, and takeover and the spread of that to possibly include French Morocco. How is it that this love story overshadows this major story of war? To me, that's just impeccable, unbelievable writing and then directing and acting. And so that story, if it weren't for that story, this movie sucks because those decisions and those keep you on the edge of your toes. What's he going to do? Because you don't know if he's going to give him the papers Fact and that's what makes it so good. Yeah, it's so you good. Have no clue because he's going back and forth, and it feels like he makes his choice at the airport. Yeah, at the very last minute, and you're thinking, oh, up to this point, oh, he's going to stab in the back and stab in the back, and then it's almost like flipping a coin. Nope, turn left. Here we go. We're going to adjust. Yeah, and it's like the greatest. It's one of the greatest things watching this for the first time. It's something that I wish I could get over and over again is because I, I've seen this movie 250 plus times. Yeah. Like I watch this movie a lot. <laughs> um, knowing what's going to happen kind of lessens it a little bit. Sure. But it still is just so good because of the writing, the dialogue, the acting, everything you said. Like there's still a little teeny tiny part of me. It's like, oh, maybe maybe this time it's going to be different. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of want it to be, right? Like I yes. want Rick and Nielsen to be together because I like Victor, but I fucking but love not, Rick. Yeah, you know what you're I mean? emotionally attached to Rick. Yeah, and Humphrey because Bogart. You don't get, yeah, you don't you get Victor's story. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. And Humphrey Bogart just fucking destroys it. Like he just makes you want him to be. You know, nothing against Paul Hindred, but like you say, you don't get that level of depth to his story and and who he is as a person. And you want Rick to succeed. You want him to get the girl. And then he gives up the girl because it's the right thing to do. Nobody fucking does that shit. No. So it's just, I, I, yeah, I just love it. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's great because it gives you hints throughout the movie, right? Rick ran guns to Ethiopia. He did all these scenes where he was fighting on the underdog side. He does the right thing, but he puts on this outer shell of this tough guy who's in it for himself type of a thing. But when the chips are down, he does the right thing. Yeah. And so they let you know what's going to happen. But at the same time, you're like, oh, no, he's, he's totally taking those letters. He's yeah. going off with a pretty girl. 100% oh, yeah. taking the letters. Yep. And so it just goes back to being such a great written movie and then a phenomenal acting job yeah, uh, by everybody, but oh, yeah. mainly your core cast of characters. Oh, it was brilliant. Yep. And she is so good. Like how she's just so fucking calm the whole movie. Like <laughs> I, I love her. Like I said, the four of them, the four main characters, I love them. I think it just really shows 
the level of acting that they had and the, and the storytelling and the writing, it was just so different than what you see today, fortunately and, and unfortunately, but mm-hmm. um, another scene that you brought up with our topics is the La Marseille scene. Oh, La Marseille. La Marseille. Yeah, sorry. I'm not good on my French, but I think this is the greatest show of patriotism in any movie. And this is kind of kind of funny backstory. So the song that the uh, National Socialists are singing mm-hmm. is actually not the song that they originally picked. But if they picked the one song, they would have had to pay royalties to uh-huh. said National Socialist Party. So they ixnate that. And so that, it was originally, I think, supposed to be like the German national anthem gotcha. or something on those lines. They switched it to a different patriotic song, essentially the German equivalent of my country to the Sure. But so everybody in the cafe at this time, we're all refugees mm. from World War II. So there's, there's number one, a lot of them are French, but everybody was a uh, refugee. And then you have this really powerful moment of, you know, Victor Laszlo, who's the incorruptible good guy yeah. coming down and telling the band essentially, hey, you know, why are you just sitting here? Play the French national anthem. And then you get everybody saying it's a really powerful moment, but it's also the little things. So like you were saying earlier, this with the look, you see Renault's true colors because he looks at Rick mm-hmm. during this while they're saying that he's just, it just turns like, what are you going to do type of thing? I know you're kind of good. You won't admit it. You know, anytime I ask you a direct question, you ask me a direct question that I don't want to <laughs> answer. So I'm going to look at you, see what you do. I mean, the only, I think that there's two big like patriotic scenes, both dealing with World War II. One of them is in this movie. The other one's Sound of Music. Mm. But it's this movie, this this song, you know, playing the French national anthem, and you know, you see everybody crying. Yeah. It's because they're refugees from France, yeah. or you know, World War II refugees, and so it's a huge moment for them, a show of patriotism that I think is lost in a lot of movies today that try and show the value. It's lost on what it is. Yeah, it's not an us and them kind of thing. It's a, this is, this is my country, my nation. This is what I believe in. I'm going to stand up and say something about it. It's kind of cool how it plays off too. Cause you have, you know, the national socialists are trying so hard, the five of them to out the entire cafe and then they give up. And so it's a very symbolic, cool moment that I absolutely love. And I could watch this scene on repeat all the time and not be upset with myself. Yeah, for sure. Weren't the... National Socialist soldiers all played by German Jews. Yeah. That's okay. That's what I thought I remember reading. Um, which yeah, is, or at least the vast majority of them were. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them. Which, and they had escaped nationalist social, National Socialist Germany mm-hmm. in order to be, and then they were, which I think is really cool that they did that, allowed them to do that. Yeah, like you say, it's a very... It's a very emotional scene that I think a lot of people look overlook too. And, and, and a, in the situation of people watching it now, like mod, like people have never seen it before and living it, I think in the time, yeah. And I think at the time, like if you were watching it in 1943, obviously there was a level of understanding there that was very different than there is today. Now, most people don't even understand. I mean, shit, we have people that argue whether or not the worst part of that war actually happened or whether it was manufactured. And I'm like, you fucking ignorant. That bothers me, but so I don't think the impact, but I, I'm glad that we talk about it because that is a huge thing for the fact that these people that have lived through these national socialist 
issues and the cruelties that were heaped upon people for years during this, this war were allowed to have this patriotic moment, like you say, and really overshadow and show that, Hey, there's, there's good happening and we're, we're winning to a degree, even though there are a lot of people that are losing, which is very, very unfortunate, crazy, crazy stuff. One of the funnier things before we move on to the next topic, but I also didn't know this, but like there's a movies that were made about Casablanca. Have you ever seen play it again, Sam? Yeah. By Woody Allen. Weird movie, but they get the line wrong. Like, because he never says play it again, Sam. And so I found, and then there's another one, another movie as well, A Night in Casablanca from 46, which is a Marx Brothers spoof mm-hmm. on Casablanca. And they get the line wrong, which I always thought oh, that was really it's, funny. It's funny because it's one of the most incorrectly quoted movies of all time, while at the same time being one of the most quoted movies. <laughs> well, and it's weird because like, and I think what gets me is, I, I mean, a lot of people misquote a movie. Like one of my favorites is like when we, we've talked about Tombstone, I'm your Huckleberry. Like a lot of people are saying, I'll be your Huckleberry. No, he doesn't. He, I'm your Huckleberry. I'm your Huckleberry. But that's one. it's very misquoted. But I get why that misquote is easy, right? It's not like you're, but this is not a short line that they're turning into play it again, Sam. This is a, you played it for her. You can play it for me. If she can stand it, I can play it. How the fuck do you get playing again, Sam, out of that? Like, I don't understand how that line is misconstrued so often. Anyway, neither here nor there. I was just thinking about that as I was watching it yesterday. Because every time I watch it, I'm like, fuck, that's a long line. Where's the play it again, Sam? Because I always wait for it. I'm like, oh, that's right. It's not actually in the movie. So anyway, weird. That is, (laughs) I like it. (laughs) But this leads to, you know, that especially that very patriotic moment leads to the, the very strange circumstance in Morocco at the time. And in not just Morocco, but any French or occupied state, you know, colonies and the places mm-hmm. that they technically weren't just supposed to be, but they, yeah. they conquered and they took over and colonized and sure used for vacations. <laughs> and just because France is occupied doesn't mean that Germany the then has control over their colonies. That's not how it worked. And we see that a lot of people don't understand that that's what's going on in Morocco. There is a presence because of the occupation. And there's an understanding that it wouldn't take much for Morocco in this time or the, you know, any of the, these colonies to be occupied. But in this moment, you have French officials and police officers and soldiers that are now technically supposed to take orders from national socialists which is the puppet of the the third reich yeah and it it makes for a very interesting like you say there's people that are trying to use french morocco as a launching point to get out of occupied territories and into the united states and these safer countries but we see how difficult it is because they still have to maneuver the officials and so you know there's a lot of corruption there and a lot of I'm sure there's a lot of people and we've seen movies. We did inside man where, Mm -hmm. you know, this guy makes a lot of money and you know, it was by doing things like this. Oh, I love it because I think cloud rains as Renault does a great job of flirting with harmless corruption and, you know, getting mine, that kind of mentality. And he does a good job of it. Yeah. Like my favorite thing, or one of my favorite lines in this movie is, uh, 
So the kind of the whole story is these letters of transit, Signor Ugati, who's Peter Lorre's character, steals them, kills people, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. They catch Ugati. Victor Laszlo goes to the office and, you know, Renault's sitting there filling out the paperwork. And he's like, we're trying to make out how Ugati died. Can't rather, you can't decide if he committed suicide or died while trying to escape. Yeah. I mean, it's funny to me because, you know, it's corruption. Hmm, how am I going to make myself look good at this? But it's also, in a way, the same thing, right? If you died while trying to escape, trying to escape, you know they're going to shoot you. That's committing suicide. In a way, they're not going to rearrest you. And so it's like, hmm, which one looks better to me? But it's said so nonchalantly that it shows just like, you know, Renault does not give a shit, mm-hmm. kind of. He's just there for himself, you know. And he even tells you a little bit, I have no convictions, right? Yeah. I blow with the wind. Where the rules are coming from now happen to be from Vichy, France. Yeah. And this kind of becomes an issue between him and Major Strasser. Mm-hmm. Sir Reich official. Uh, <laughs> because Renault just, he's in a point where he does not care. Yeah. Like, he's out for himself. And we see that with, and the one kind of problem I have with the movie almost is Renault's uh, lady friends. Mm. So this kind of sleep with me almost mentality and I'll get you your exit pizza. Sure. That's the one part that didn't, that's never really sat right with me. However, it's, Probably the most accurate part of this movie. <laughs> oh, for sure. You know that shit was happening. Exactly. So, it's, I mean, it's the one thing because it's more of a, you know, I, I like Cloud Rain so much yeah. that this almost feels like it's putting a sure. stain on him. But everything else is just so great where he's this slightly corrupt official. Mm-hmm. And he's open about it. He yeah. is open about the fact that he's a corrupt official, that he, you know, is taking orders from Vichy because... That's what's happening. And when challenged about it by, you know, the, the Germans, he's like, uh, well, are you admitting that you're going to lose the war and lose your power and that free France is going to get control again? Like, that doesn't sound like something you guys normally admit. <laughs> yeah. Which anywhere else is an immediate shot while trying to escape scenario or yeah. committing suicide and someone else is filling out his paperwork. But here, like you were talking about here in the French Morocco, even says something similar like he's the master of his own fate yeah like he kind of jumps when the germans are around but also not really yeah um what are they really gonna do to him so it's it's very interesting but he flirts with it so well and plays a corrupt official Mm -hmm. so well that it's part of the reason why i love his performance oh for sure well and i love like it's blatant like too like nobody questions renault will take your ass you know, to keep mm-hmm. himself afloat. I mean, to the point of two things. One, he makes a wager on whether Victor's going to get out or not. Like, they're both like, we don't fucking really care. It just is what it is. And then the second piece of it is, like, I love the part where at the end, when Rick sells Ricks to Ferrari, and he's like, don't worry, I talked to Ferrari. He's still going to make sure you win. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll let you win a roulette. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> it's so funny. Because it's just out in the open, like, and people are walking around him while he's. It's not like they're like, "Don't worry, he'll let you win." Like, it's like, yeah, "Yeah, fuck, you still got your roulette winnings. Like, everybody knows. And and to add to that, like at the final scene, the airport. Spoiler alert! But once again, if you haven't seen this movie, I don't want you on this podcast. Uh, When Rick shoots Major Strasser, and then the French, you know, French police show up, and Renault's like, "Look at the dead body." Uh, Major Strasser's been shot. 
round up the usual suspects <laughs> and it's him and rick nobody else is there yeah. <laughs> one of the two of them shot major strasser yeah and the uh, the his police force is like okay yep they, <laughs> they just back in the car and they go grab him and go suspects. yeah it's so funny <laughs> i love it it's such a great way to end it, but yeah it's completely out in the open that yes i'm corrupt i'm the police official you play by my rules i'll get you what you want yeah <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I love too, like the fact that like the banter between him and Rick too, like where he's just like, you are a sentimentalist. Like he says like eight times, like it's this judgment, but at the same time, there's a little bit of Renault that's a little bit the same. And it's almost like he's living vicariously through Rick's like sentimentalist actions. Like when he helps the young couple to win at roulette so that they can get out and buy their, you know, way out. And he's like, pay Renault. Sentimentalist. Yeah. (laughs) But it's great because you can see that Renault's like respects it too. Like he's like, I like it. I wish I could do a little more like that myself. And then kind of leans it. That's how we end up with it. It was the usual suspects because he didn't get paid for that. He's just like, but it's funny because at the same time with that like gambling thing, he's like, hey, I'm going to be in tomorrow with a breathtaking blonde. It'll make me very happy if she loses. Don't do it again, Rick. (laughs) (laughs) You ruined my tryst, but I'm in tomorrow with somebody else. Don't do it. Stop it. (laughs) Make me very happy if she loses. It's fucking great. He's such a dick. It's just, yeah, it's Claude Rains and it's Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. That are doing it. It's just so great. So I, I just love the fact that they lean into like corrupt officials. Yeah that they exist 100%, the bureaucracy that goes around with everything, red tape, but they're still able to put a funny spin on it while staying true to this is what, you know, people probably had to deal with. I wasn't around then, but they probably had to jump through all kinds of hoops and red tape and, you know, sell off priceless family heirlooms for very little in order to get a chance at getting out of uh, Europe. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not. So I think this movie does a good job of balancing a balancing act between everything that it has. I agree. It's got a lot going on, and yet it's a very simplistic movie at the same time. It's very mm-hmm. interesting. All right, so are you ready to rate it? Let's do it. Um, I'm going to make you go first. <laughs> oh, this it's is so easy, easy for you, and it's not as easy for me. So, yeah. I I, I kind of get that. I don't know, 100%. It's an easy five. I believe this to be the greatest movie ever made. I will watch it again. I will probably put it on right now because I got about two hours before Oshi gets home. <laughs> Might as well. It's about the runtime. Yeah. 100%. I think this is a perfect. Uh, we kind of talked about it. There's There's stuff that I'm like a little nitpicky about. But that's just because I've watched it 250 times. And after you watched it about seven, you already know what's going to happen. And now you get to start poking holes in it just for fun. But 100%, I think this is a perfect movie. Go watch it if you haven't watched it. If you have watched it, go watch it again (laughs) because it is that good. And it's a good reminder about kind of where we came from. So we don't go back that way, you know, hint, hint, wink, wink to some people. Um, So yeah, five, easy. If I could give it higher, I would. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there was never any doubt what you were doing. No, no, absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah. And I look, I mm, the reason I struggle with this is because there are aspects of the movie that I struggle with, but those are aspects that aren't the movie's fault, right? It's the time in which it was made. But it's kind of a double-edged sword because I want to criticize it for some of those things. But how do I do that? 
when it's still better than most of the modern movies made with all we'll of the still, things. We'll still be friends, JJ, if you're going to criticize it. Well, Don't no, worry I, about that. But that's the other piece is like I sit and I go, is there really anything for me to criticize that is actually critical, right? Like it's not, I think that's the part that makes me sit and go, I, it's hard for me to criticize it because what I want to criticize it for is like the little things that in technology that are bothersome because it's a 1943 film. That's not that film's fault. The fact that a 1943 film can keep me that entertained and enthralled is still outweighs that. So I, I sit and I go, is it a five? I'm like, mm, I don't know if I can give it a five. But at the same time, I don't have an argument as to why. That doesn't make me sound like an asshole. So I'm like, it's really hard for me to say that, right? And I, in a movie podcast where we review movies, how do I destroy my credibility, in my opinion, in that way by saying, oh, I don't like it because it's black and white. And there's some really weird editing. I know who you sound like. I know. I know. (laughs) And I think it's 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 not even because it's black and white. Because I don't mind black and white film, but I like this one was on the cusp of. I think you could have they could have done the remake in color, and it would have been okay. But they refused to do it, which I also respect. Anyway, this is a weird fucking conversation for me to be in, but it's like what's going through my head for the the whole fucking day is I'm like, how am I going to rate this movie? To me, the for the sake of the fact that I have no. There's nothing critical for me about the content of the movie and about the acting and about the storytelling. I have to give it a five because it's, we can still be friends. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's right. We, the podcast is still alive. I, you know, <laughs> I mean, at the very, the, the very worst, I would have given it a four and a half. But yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, but I, I, I don't have a valid argument as to not to give it a five because even watching it last night, I was like, God, this movie is so fucking good. It, it just is that. Good. There is nothing that I can say I don't enjoy about this film. I mean, with you, I can nitpick little things, but is that really what makes, I mean, I nitpick other films all the time and I still give them higher scores than you think I'm going to, because I'm pretty vocal about my nitpicking, but this one, I have a hard time finding things to nitpick about. It's just that good. It's that entertaining. It's that well-written. It's that well-directed. It's that well-acted. It's just that good. It is in, should be, and is in my conversation for, greatest films ever made um it's not in the top five it's a shame we could argue all day long about that so anyway oh yeah i'm gonna give it a five i also think it's just completely a perfect movie it's fucking damn near as perfect as it gets and so i've given fives to films that are way less good so (laughs) i I have to give it a five and, and go with that so great movie good choice happy to have watched it again i will watch it again because it's just that good all right, Alec, when we aren't shitting on national socialists, tell everybody else where they can find us. I love that that's got on. Uh, thank you for joining us on an adventure through history, watching one of my favorite all-time movies and what I believe to be the greatest movie ever made, Casablanca. We have been on an oldies kick in June, and it has been fun. If you think there is a classic movie we glossed over, Request it in a comment or join us on Patreon and force us to watch it. Uh, our current patron and sponsor, MLB. That is uh, Matson Likes Brownies, not Major League Baseball. Got to put in that disclaimer. Okay. Is amazing for choosing these classics. We appreciate you. Here's to looking at you, kid. Missed some recent episodes? Well, you can find them all wherever fine podcasts are found, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Ghana. Leave us a review and let us know what you think of our verdicts. With that, I will kick it back to the king of Crash, Jack Dunn's baby, Andre J. <laughs> That's right. Uh, much appreciated, Alec. Uh, what a fun time. June's been fun. I think we got one more in June. 
It's another, another first. first. We'll talk about it when we get there. So uh, looking forward to it. Should be interesting. With that, as always, we appreciate you tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. Hasta la vista, baby. Cinemagic out.